Hello, beautiful friends, and welcome back to the Health Made podcast. I'm Georgie, your host, and my mission is to be your guide on an incredible journey toward health, healing, and happiness. This podcast is for anyone seeking to understand true holistic well being while exploring the realms of the mind, body, and soul. Join me as I delve into insights that have not only helped me through my own personal challenges, but have also benefited the thousands of women I've had the privilege of working with. From overcoming negative body image, struggling with self-worth and self-sabotaging behaviors, to navigating heartbreaks, life as an introvert, and undergoing a spiritual transformation. If there is anything you can take from these episodes, I hope it's the realization that you can live an abundant, fulfilling life that feels authentic to you, and you are never alone on this journey of self-discovery. I'm so grateful that you're tuning in. Let's jump into the episode. Hello, hello, and welcome back to episode two. Now, I'm going to be fully honest with you guys. I had filmed, I say filmed, I had recorded a completely different topic for this episode and just had a thought it's probably a bit too deep for this early on in the podcast. So that is one that I'm saving for a future release. And that was all about my spiritual transformation and the journey I have been on with that, which is actually still, I'm still going through it guys. So there's definitely more I can add to that episode. But for today, we're going to be having a chat, one-sided chat about all things body image, obsessive food and fitness behaviors. And I'm going to be sharing a bit about my past experience with this and how I've ended up going down a very, very toxic route with it. Um, But then I do have 14 insights, which is a random number to come to, but that's what I've come up with, that have not only helped me get to where I am now with my body and habits and behaviors, but also things that I work with clients on when they've had a similar journey to myself to help them break free from the control and ultimately find peace with themselves, their bodies, um, their exercise habits and the way that they eat. So this is going to be an episode tailored more towards those who are on the more obsessive side of things. Um, If you are someone that does struggle with the motivation to train and eat well, then you definitely can benefit from this episode. I think some of the insights can help you um, with your mindset right now. And maybe sharing my experience will also help you kind of rethink the reasons that you are going down the route that you are. And maybe what can happen if you do, let's say, get sucked into the pendulum of um, when fitness can become all-consuming. Now, I do want to put a little disclaimer on this. This could be quite triggering for anyone if they have a history of eating disorders, as I'll probably be mentioning a few things around my own experience with disordered eating. So if while you're listening at any point, you feel that this isn't conducive to your own healing, your own path, please feel free to skip this one. Um, Everything I will be sharing is coming from a place of wanting to help. and wanting to guide you through the process. But please, if it uh, if anything gets too triggering, just skip this one out and I will touch base with you in the next one. My second disclaimer is if you are someone that genuinely thrives off discipline, then this probably isn't an episode for you. However, 
if you're someone who feels very caught up in the need to be more disciplined, but deep down in your heart of hearts, you know that this hasn't been working for you, then this is probably an episode that you need to hear. And the reason I'm putting this disclaimer out there is because pushing through does genuinely work for some people. And if that's you, you might listen to this and think that I'm lazy and I'm encouraging people to give up and not follow their goals. But in my experience, trying harder at something that isn't working and has really never worked for you long term is not going to get you the results. And often we are just approaching it in the wrong way. And I spent a very long time hating on myself for not being more disciplined or not being able to be more disciplined because I think it is something that is incredibly glorified. And I just don't want anyone else to feel that hatred for themselves because if you already have obsessive behaviors, being more disciplined is not going to work. So I probably want to start with where I am right now in terms of relationship to my body and diet and exercise. And then I'll give you my backstory so that you can kind of see the contrast. And the reason I want to share my own story is because I see it so commonly. And the amount of times I get a woman on the phone and they are sharing their struggles with me, it's always really similar. And while the specifics look different for each individual, it does all come from the same place. Um, We have the same influences. There can be very similar triggers and these control mechanisms can manifest in a very similar way. So I'm confident that what I share about my story will resonate with a lot of you who are stuck in this cycle. Um, And what I want you to take from this episode is obviously the 14 insights that I will share towards the end, but also I just want you to know that there is absolutely so much freedom on the other side of this. And I almost get like, I feel a bit emotional talking about it because this was something that consumed my life for so long. And I had fully accepted that that was my future and that I was going to battle with these obsessive behaviors forever. And I genuinely looked at people who had come out the other side and think that they were lying. I was like, no one goes through this and then can just let go of it. And I thought they were just trying to prove to the world that they were happy and healthy and free. And I didn't believe it, but please take this from me. There is so much freedom on the other side and you can absolutely work through this with the right support and the right um, I guess there has to be a little bit of, well, no, there has, to, there has to be a lot of internal work yourself. And it is absolutely a journey. It is not a quick fix. Someone will tell you something and you will snap out of it, or you'll just have this epiphany moment. Um, for me and for the people that I've spoken to about this and helped work through this, it's very much a journey. Um, of understanding and learning what works for you. So the best way for me to describe the state that I am right now is that I am just allowing my body and myself to be and for it to come into its most natural form where it feels in harmony, it feels 
balanced. It feels healthy. It feels aligned. And where I am in a state of peace with it. And what I mean by this is I'm moving it in a way that it wants to move, not to achieve a specific external goal. I'm eating as much as I feel I need to nourish myself and give myself enough energy and enjoyment and freedom without, again, controlling it for any external goal. And in doing so, my body has sort of um, naturally settled into a very calm, (laughs) healthy body, which interestingly, when I was in the peak of my obsessive behaviors, it had, it looked healthy on the outside because of the sort of skewed view of what health is in, in our society. But I was so unhealthy deep down and I didn't feel healthy. So that's kind of um, the difference now. And I think it can be hard to understand this because when, when I refer to just letting your body be, I think there's likely an assumption that you won't do anything and you'll just eat shit and you won't exercise and you won't want to progress it and you won't challenge it and you won't try But there is a difference between doing things that are forced on you because of uh, an external pressure like society or social media or just the media. And then doing things that you genuinely want to do that feel right to you and feel good for your body. And if I can share kind of my experience right now is I'm still exercising. It looks different to the conventional strength training that I used to do um, when I was in the gym. I'm now doing a lot more Pilates with the odd run. And it feels amazing to not feel like I'm attached to a specific training type that if I don't do, my body will change. And then in terms of nutrition, (laughs) this is going to sound so weird to say, but I just have no food rules anymore. I have no structure to my food. I have no timing to my food. I have no good or bad foods. And in that, I have naturally settled on generally a very healthy diet because that's what my body is craving. And if I want to have a donut, if I want to have some ice cream, there is now no guilt attached to it. That was something that was present as I was sort of transitioning from the really destructive behaviors to where I am now that was something that was really uncomfortable and I had to work through. But now I don't really give my meals a second thought. And I think when you're a health conscious person, you obviously do have to put some consideration into what you're eating, but it no longer feels like a must or a rule that I have to abide by. Or if I don't do it, I'm a terrible person. I have just found so much freedom in it. And even today, I just walked past an ice cream shop, felt like having one, walked in, got one, ate it in the sunshine. And it was the most liberating feeling. And that was something that even maybe like even a year ago, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to say. So yes, I am not as strong as I used to be. Maybe not as toned as I used to be, but my body hasn't blown up. I'm not broken. I'm not miserable. If anything, my life has just completely transformed. And I'm incredibly grateful for it because of the control that all of this stuff had over me. It was kind of all consuming, but I'm moving according to how my body feels in each moment, each day. 
I'm not forcing a 12-week goal on myself or eating the latest fad foods. And through that, guys, I have zero anxiety. Like I had genuinely self-diagnosed myself with an anxiety disorder. And actually what I've realized is as I've let go of all of these control mechanisms around my body, I have zero anxiety. And so that anxiety was 100% related to the things that I was doing because they weren't right. And my body, my body fucking knew it, but my mind could not let go. And yeah, I just feel like there is so much calmness (laughs) in myself right now. I will caveat this with there are days that don't feel like this. And I think that's something that's very normal when you've spent so long in such a toxic cycle. Your brain and your body become familiar with those thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors. And there will be days that aren't great and you wake up and you have a bad body image day. But one thing I will say is with these these learnings that I've had and the ones that I'm about to share, I am now, I feel equipped that when I wake up on a day and I'm not feeling great about myself, I know that that moment will pass. And these are the sort of tools that I have um, adopted into my lifestyle that make sure that those days don't spiral back into bad habits. So I'm hoping that um, they will do the same for you. Now, to give you a bit of a backstory as to how bad my habits were, and I won't go into too much detail. I don't think you necessarily need to know the specifics of what my disordered eating looked like. Um, But essentially, I'll start from the beginning. (laughs) I was a very active child at school. But when I left school and was left to my own resources, I gained a lot of weight and I completely secluded myself from the world because I think I was embarrassed. And I think from those memories, a huge fear was placed in me about gaining weight, equaling unhappiness and isolation. And so I I had that fear from my, my late teens and I became desperate to shrink myself kind of as quickly as possible. And I mentioned it in the last podcast episode that part of me getting into a P- getting into PTing was because I knew that that would be enough pressure on myself and I knew that being active would help me shrink my body. I also think that the reason I signed up to an Ironman, which I did in 2015, was fueled <laughs> initially by the thought of, okay, if I exercise this much, I'll have to lose weight. And then actually it did become such a empowering challenge to complete. But in doing so, I did lose weight and I started to feel better about myself. I started to feel more confident. But when I actually started working as a personal trainer, this came with a whole new host of pressures. And I felt that I had to be successful and to get clients, I had to look a certain way. And I actually didn't trust it at that point. I was very new to personal training. Um, I didn't trust myself to have the accountability and the dedication to do it without help. So I reached out to a coach and this is the stage where I started getting obsessed with following bikini slash bodybuilding competitors and got very, very wrapped up in that world um, of competing. Now, the introvert that I am, I knew deep down I was never going to get up on a stage. 
So my version of a bodybuilding bikini prep was for a photo shoot. And so with this coach, we set a 12-week target to drop as much body fat as possible. And he did me a nutrition plan. I was training six days a week. And with that, he added in some cardio. And my body my body did shrink. Um, I did get a better understanding of nutrition from it. I became more disciplined, but I also got addicted to what we call body checking, which means every second of the day checking if you had lost fat on your body. So looking at your abs in a mirror, pinching your skin, obsessing over the fact that I eaten a little bit of food and my, had my tummy popped out a bit more. Um, but with the changes, I almost like reveled in them. It was like my dopamine hit for the morning when I saw myself getting leaner. Uh, but interestingly, I couldn't, like, the scale couldn't go down quick enough for me mentally. Like obviously it was going down. I was eating like the equivalent of what any eight year old should eat. Um, but it just never felt like it was enough. And something that was really scary at that time was the amount of compliments I was getting and the amount of people that were telling me my transformation was inspirational. And actually at that point, I didn't really realize how kind of, um, impact negatively impactful that was, but I I'll kind of get onto that in a bit, I think, but I thought I was doing everything right, but it still didn't feel, still didn't feel enough. I wanted things to move quicker and I, I wanted, um, I wanted to be like fixed and done sort of tomorrow <laughs> and photo shoot day came around. I was proud of what I'd done and I did get to a stage where I was like, okay, well, this is going to be me now. Like, I know I've, I've shrunk my body. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I don't need to do anything. And I had my first binge the night after the photo shoot. So had the photo shoot that night, had some friends over and we ordered so much food. I ate so much that I actually passed out. And I don't know, the next day had some weird sort of sugar disorder and woke up swollen and puffy. My energy was all over the place and I had no idea what was happening. And from that moment, I could not stop. And it took me maybe 10 days, maybe less than that, to actually gain back all the weight that it had taken me that 12 weeks to lose. And even though the weight was coming back on, I was still binging. So it wasn't like a sort of short term, my body didn't like being that lean, let's bunk you up. And then, you know, you're not going to have this drive. It continued far, far past um, <laughs> those 10 days. And the comparison that I was experiencing, having gone from looking like I did for my photo shoot to looking bigger than I did when I actually started 10 days later was the most damaging thing for my body confidence, my self-worth, uh, my body image. And I genuinely think I went into a state of depression. Now I struggled with this for about a year. The binging became less prominent. It didn't feel like every time I was eating a meal, I was um, going into a full-blown binge, but there were still days um, that it was happening and it did have a control over me. And my relationship to my body still really wasn't good. So I thought the best thing to do at this stage was to book another photo shoot. 
So I did. And I went back on a training plan with a different coach this time, six days of strength training. And just to just to kind of give you a bit of, and please don't take this as advice. Do not do this guys, because you will realize where I ended up. But I was doing six weight training days and then an hour of fasted cardio on top of that first thing in the morning. And that was seven days a week. And then I was also trying to hit a 20 to 25,000 step count and eating, yeah, the equivalent of what an eight-year-old should eat. And it, again, I became very disciplined. I tracked every gram of food to the gram. My body shrank and I went into the photo shoot feeling confident, but again, still wanting more. And I actually booked a photo shoot four weeks after that first shoot to do more intense training, more intense macro tracking to shrink my body even further. And this, at this stage, this was when people were commenting on how inspirational my transformation was. I felt like a fraud because I knew deep down how unhappy I was with my life. I felt incredibly confident about my body, but that was about it. And I didn't feel energetic. I didn't feel nourished. I felt hollow and empty and small. And I just had to take it because at that point, that's what people were inspired by. And it just, things didn't quite align for me. Now, one of those photos actually got selected to be in a fitness magazine and the mad thing is, is I look back now and I'm like, even then I didn't feel fully accepting of myself. I felt confident in the changes that I'd made, but I just transferred my insecurities to different parts of my body. So before I'd done a photo shoot prep, I was annoyed I didn't have abs and I didn't like um, that I wasn't that defined. And then when I became defined and had abs, I didn't like that I now no longer had a bum or boobs. And so I was never, never fully happy and always trying to drop the number on the scale, even after the photo shoots. But as, um, as what happened first time round happened second time round, and I came out of it binging again, and it wasn't as intense because I think I was a little bit more prepared for what was going to happen. But the weight came back on, um, my self-worth went down again, my confidence went. And guys, this is a really natural response to restriction because our bodies are here to keep us safe and to protect us. And when we do something so extreme to them, because they're always trying to find this balance and homeostasis, they fight back. And there is almost an urge that we can't deny for our bodies to get back to a healthy state, to get back where they were, which is why people do really struggle with very quick weight loss. Um, I don't know what the statistics are, but I'd say, you know, eight out of 10 people probably gain that weight back and more. And there's a whole lot of things I could go in around like not learning long-term um, consistent habits, but I won't go down that route today. So that was back in 2018. And since then I've learned a lot. <laughs> I would say it took me probably two years to get myself to a place where I felt better about myself. And I was still tracking macros, but to higher numbers. And I was including more diverse foods. And I wasn't as obsessive with the training. The fasted cardio had gone. 
Uh, but lockdown really threw me. I think I probably had too much time to myself. I, at times I was living alone and I had too much time to think, which I never thought was a bad thing. But looking back at it now, I think it is. And I booked myself another photo shoot. And if you followed me since lockdown, you you might remember me doing a bit of a body transformation. And that was because I had another shoot. Um, this one was different. It, it wasn't as extreme. It didn't require as much because I did have the kind of foundations of muscle and I was going into it sort of starting a little bit leaner anyway. Um, but again, coming out of it, I didn't go back into full blown binging, but I definitely had some sort of compulsive eating where I didn't feel fully in control of it. It felt like it was controlling me and it was this sort of devil on my shoulder that I felt would rear its head, um, whenever it wanted. And I just didn't trust myself. And I was still, I guess, trying to manipulate my body to look a specific way and negating completely how it, how it actually felt. Um, so these can, these, these behaviors, slightly less extreme ones probably continued right up until this time last year, maybe even earlier this year. It's definitely, like I said at the start, a transition and there will be days that you slip back into things. But I think some of them were so ingrained in me that I thought they were actually normal. I didn't realize they were even sort of controlling behaviors. I I wasn't tracking calories from maybe a year ago, but I would guesstimate them in my head. And when you've tracked for so long, you know, <laughs> you know how many calories are in everything and you can basically macro track in your head. So I was still doing that to a degree. Uh, I was still sit, uh, hitting a high step count for the sake of like a bit more exercise, a bit more movement. And I look back now and realize I was training in a way that didn't feel aligned with me anymore. And I think because I had attached this identity to being a gym girl, I felt like that had to be my training and I had to keep showing up. And actually it really didn't feel like I was progressing with it anymore. I'd lost my love for it. And if you have been following me recently, you will know that I was supposed to do a 21 kilometer swim this August. And I will be the first to admit that the 21 kilometer swim was just a slightly less obvious version of a photo shoot for me. And if you, if you know me well, and you know that I pulled out of that race, I think the biggest indication well, the biggest reason I pulled out was because my intention of going into it was not right. And I'm grateful I had the ability to call myself out on it. But I saw a very slippery slope of these obsessive habits coming back in. And while I was swimming, I then started training twice a day. I then started increasing my step count. I then told myself I needed to start tracking macros to make sure I'm eating enough. But deep down, I know it was that I maybe saw this as an opportunity to like force myself to change my body and and stick to a training plan because I couldn't do it without it. And so, yes, I, I stopped the swim and there was a lot of shame associated around that. And actually I have spoken to a few clients about this and they have been almost, yeah, they've really appreciated the openness because I think backing out of something can seem like you give up but when the intention isn't right there guys it doesn't mean that you're sort of shying away from a challenge like I love a challenge but it has to challenge you in the right way and actually make you level up as a person and progress not kind of force you down a route that isn't healthy and um isn't going to serve you 
sort of in the long run. So that was why I pulled out of it. So I think I probably shared enough about my own journey, but hopefully this has given you a little bit of context as to why these things have been helpful for me and women that I've worked with and will be helpful for men as well. It's just, I only coach women right now who have experienced the same, but please understand that your journey is personal and the things that have happened to me um, have helped me. And I've obviously learned kind of the hard way and I don't, I don't really want that for you. So I really encourage you to take these on board as soon as you can before it's forced on you and you're forced into an injury or your, your eating habits get so destructive that you, you know, you really struggle to come back from them. I do also want to say that if you have an aesthetic goal, that is absolutely fine. You can come back to it from a place of finding kindness and compassion for yourself and likely in that state, it will be a more realistic goal and it won't be so much of a need. It will just be more of an adjustment. But I do believe when you have gone almost too far past the balanced point and your perspective has changed, to break those habits, you really have to come back to the middle before trying to force yourself into anything more extreme. So I'm hoping there are a few things in here that a bit different to maybe what you have heard, but these aren't like a step-by-step, follow this, then this, then this. And some things will work for you. Some things might not work for you. There will be things that aren't on this list that will work for you. But these are just the learnings that I believe have kind of transformed my relationship with my body, helped me find more of a middle ground with my training and exercise and just get back to a place of feeling really good within myself. So the first one is to become more aware of your own patterns. So this can be the beliefs that you hold, the thoughts that you have about yourself, all of the things that you do to keep control. So that could be counting calories. It could be a sort of unrealistic step count, no rest days, whatever they are, get a journal and just write them all down and really call yourself out on it. Try and go through your day and think about everything you do. Is it because it's what you want to be doing or because you know it's genuinely healthy for you or is it a way to almost keep you safe in the control? Number two is once you've identified them, we're gonna go through the process of learning to let them go. And end goal would be to stop tracking calories, counting calories, stop weighing yourself, throw those scales out the window, guys, stop increasing your step count. And what I mean by that being the end goal is obviously you guys are aware of this. If you know your behaviors aren't helpful, you know that you shouldn't be doing them. You just feel stuck in them. And so it'd be very easy. It would actually be really cruel of me to say, well, just stop doing it. And this is not something I do with clients. I don't take them on board and go, well, I'm not going to do anything with you. What generally what I tend to do is we go through a bit of like an easing out process or a crowding out process where we bring in healthier habits or we bring in completely unrelated habits to health and fitness that can almost shift the focus and help you ease out of how much those habits have a control over you. So it might be for starters tracking to higher calories or it might be tracking less days or it might be just writing a food journal instead of tracking calories. And with the steps, we try and ease them back. With the training, we try and ease it back in a 
in a slightly uncomfortable way that that control mechanism is being challenged, but where, you know, you're not fully in the comfortable place of being in control. So number three is you cannot heal one element without healing the other element. And what I mean by that is you can't heal your relationship with food without addressing your relationship to exercise because otherwise what happens is it just gets transferred. So for example, you might increase your calories, but if you're also increasing your exercise, you're just transferring it and vice versa. If you decrease your calories, no, if you decrease... (laughs) your exercise. Yeah. You decrease your exercise, but also decrease your calories. Again, you're just transferring more control to the nutrition to outweigh what you're doing with your training. And this can be done in really, really sneaky ways. And this was something I did was I stopped training as intensely and I stopped training as often, but I was increasing my step count to double and just doing an extra walk each day. And you never end up being fully free of it because it's the same mindset. You're just, it's just manifesting in a different, a different control mechanism. So basically my point to that is you have to work on improving both and letting go of both and letting go of the toxic behaviors in general. Number four is if what you're doing right now doesn't feel enough and you are in those toxic behaviors, then it never will be enough. And What I mean by this one is you're always going to be striving for more because you're practicing the mindset of never quite being there. Like your best self is always in the future and it's it's conditional on all of these behaviors when actually you do have the ability to change your mindset right now and work on that mindset instead of working on just changing your body from the outside. And yes, easier said than done, but it does all come from within. I truly believe that if you have like an aesthetic goal, you have to change your internal state first. And we think if we exchange, if we, um, if we change the external state of our body, we'll finally feel confident. People will love us. We'll finally love ourselves. But if you don't start trying to feel these things internally right now, then you're not going to feel them when you change the outside of your body. It's kind of what I said earlier about, I just transferred what I hated about my tummy to my boobs and my bum. And also these feelings will then only be reliant on the way that you look. And with that comes this intense fear that if you lose it, you know, you're going to lose that happiness. You know, you're going to lose that self-love. You know, you're going to lose that confidence. And I do, I still know some of the fittest women in the industry that have body insecurities because they don't ever think to address the mindset around their bodies. It's actually just become easier to address the external look of their physique. Number five is change is going to feel uncomfortable and letting go of all of those behaviors that kept you safe will obviously feel uncomfortable, but from that discomfort does come growth and permanent growth. So there's a saying, what's the saying? It's our nervous systems will almost always choose a familiar hell over an unfamiliar heaven, aka our brains don't like change. And it actually, if you, if you follow the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza, he's a really, really good mentor and role model for this kind of stuff. And they're doing some really incredible research on sort of 
changing neurochemicals in the brain. And as that happens, the discomfort that you feel is totally natural. But if you keep pushing through, it does naturally become easier. And what might have felt uncomfortable um, one week will then feel easier in the second week. And that's when you level up to the next stage. And then that stage feels uncomfortable, but you keep pushing, you keep pushing, you keep pushing. Um, and almost lean into the discomfort as evidence that you are breaking through those habits. Now, number six is one that has been fundamental for me, and that is to expand your vision. And I spent so long in complete tunnel vision. I had so much meaning and importance attached to my training and my nutrition and my physique that it became my life and I neglected everything else. And I was, I don't think I, I wasn't a bad person. I just didn't show up for the people that I love in the way that I know I can. And I became very stressy, triggered very easily, always like on edge, very anxious. And it was all because when I was around them, I did not have full control of my food, my training and basically my life. I didn't have, I couldn't control every single second of it. And getting out into the world and nourishing myself in other ways has transformed everything for me. And it's shifted the focus away from things that now I look back and feel are so insignificant. And I don't mean to devalue your experience if that's what you're going through right now. But when I have expanded my vision of why we're here and what my purpose is and how I want to show up as a person and how I want to be with my friends and the hobbies that I want to have and thrown myself into new experiences and new opportunities. I look back now and I can't believe the amount of mental energy and physical energy that I expended trying to control something that is now so insignificant because (laughs) I am in yes, a slightly less lean, strong body, but my life is so much much more nourished that I don't care. And that's the liberating feeling I want to get you guys all to. Number seven is tap back into your intuition and do what feels right for you. I think we spend so much time doing what we think we should be doing and pushing through because discipline is so glorified, as I've mentioned, and we actually end up just copying what other people are doing, when really we are all so unique and we all have individual needs and those things can work for some people, not work for others. For example, there are so many diet plans out there with huge transformations. Someone adopts it and they don't get the same result and then they think they're broken, but they're not. They just needed they just needed a different approach. So getting to a stage where you can figure out what works for you is ideal. And obviously that does require a bit of trial and error, but go more off how you feel with something, not from the result that you get from it, because being able to stick to something longer term because it feels good will lead to far better results in the long run than a temporary like week-long study of okay well this person's fasting so I'm going to fast for a week oh it works okay great I now have to adopt this for the rest of my life even though I feel like shit um 
I think we can get so out of touch with our internal cues and then we get confused as to why we don't trust ourselves, but it's because our body's telling us one thing and our mind is telling us other and we just have this complete state of confusion that we almost outsource it to someone else to tell us what to do. When honestly, guys, you have all the answers inside you. You know what's best for you. And one thing I do with my coaching is help you understand those things. Like I'll ask you or I endeavor to ask you the right questions to help you figure it out yourself. I will never actually tell you to eat like this and move like this. There's always a constant back and forth of, okay, how does this feel? Mm, Okay, let's tweak it. And that is ultimately how you can get to a place of understanding what's right for you. In terms of intuition, meditation can be really powerful. I want to do an episode in itself on meditation because it was something I struggled with for so long, but it has been, again, transformational for me more recently. And um, I would love for you guys to have the same experience with that, but also just slowing down in life and taking time to listen to what your body needs in that moment. And that can literally be five minutes of sitting with yourself asking yourself, okay, how does my body feel? Is it tired? What does it feel like doing? Does it want to do something more intense? Does it feel like eating a big meal, a light meal, a sweet, a savory, and kind of just getting that feedback from your body on what feels right versus what does my meal plan and my my fitness pal log tell me I should be doing? Number eight was a really was a really amazing one for me. And it was let go of judging and analyzing everybody else. So we can get very fixated on people's bodies, on their habits. And we do, we end up judging them for it. And I I don't know if that's a human, like a human nature for us to judge other people. Because even now, when I'm about to share what I share, like there can be that initial snap judgment. And I've become very good at turning it around. But I think when we judge others, we increase the level of judgment we have towards ourselves Because again, it's a mindset that we're just practicing of judging things in our perception of the world. And so firstly, one thing I did was I stopped following anyone that I had initially followed as Fitspo. So unless you were my friend in fitness, or I think you have a really positive educational message, I actually just unfollowed everyone that I had followed because I wanted to look like them and I wanted their body. And that let go of the pressure of kind of overanalyzing my own body. But in terms of judging others, catch yourself when you're doing it and send them compassion because this is going to sound so woo. But I think I grew up in a family that is quite judgmental of certain body types. And that was something that was ingrained in in me, which I'm really sad to admit but I very much tried to rectify that. And I 100% have, by the way, guys, if I find myself having a negative thought towards someone's body, I stop myself as soon as I notice it. And I literally look at them and I say internally, I'm sending you love and compassion and I'm giving you a hug. And I, I realize that we will never know why someone is the way that they are and how they've come to have a specific body type. And sending them love and compassion has been the one thing that has also helped me find love and compassion for my own body because I'm practicing that mindset of not judging for an aesthetic look. 
it sounds really weird, but I would really encourage you to try it. If you are someone um, that is in the slightly, well, I say slightly, not even slightly, if you have obsessive health and fitness behaviors, it is probably quite likely that you are judging people in the same space as you and people that aren't doing the same things as you. And if that is you, like catch yourself doing it, stop it and send them love and compassion. And that will help you find that for yourself. Number nine is practice letting go by giving control to someone else. And I am not normally someone that recommends giving away your power. (laughs) However, when you are in these behaviors, you feel comfortable in having control over things. And to let go of that, it's almost better to let someone else make the decision so that you don't have control. And so that could be someone cooking, someone else cooking for you. It could be going away for the weekend with a group of friends where you're not even sure if there's a gym. It can be going to a spontaneous social occasion and it will feel really icky at the start, but there is so much freedom from it because we cannot control every single thing that happens in our life and things will throw us off. And if you are normally someone that's used to being able to manipulate everything in your day to suit exactly what you want, you are going to have a full-on breakdown in these moments if you can't get that meal that you planned or you now can no longer go for that run. That's why I became such a stressy, anxious person because I blamed other people when I couldn't do my habits that made me feel good. I took it out on them. And actually when I allowed them to call the shots and I was completely powerless to it, that was when I then learned to let go of it myself. So really important tip for you. Number 10 is allow yourself to feel. And this is probably more specific to eating habits and breaking through those. The one thing I've come to realize is how closely related our food behaviors are to our emotions or should I say avoidance of emotions. So I actually think compulsive eating and binge eating can come as a result of two things. The first one as a result of restriction on the body. So your body has like a physical urge to compensate for that and drives you to go and compulsively eat or binge eat. But the second is actually more of a psychological urge where we're either trying to fill ourselves up with food as maybe like the metaphor, um, fill ourselves up because we're feeling empty or numb or to push it down as when you're thinking eating food, you're pushing it down into your body because we're trying to suppress and push down an emotion. And when I have been able to sit and acknowledge that something's coming up, even the acknowledgement in itself and taking that moment to just listen to my body, the drive to go and compulsive eat kind of instantly went away. And it's something you 100% have to practice. It's not like the first time you do it, you're, you're cured. But there are so many times now where, and I actually put this on my story the other day, where if I feel an emotion where I'm wanting to distract myself from it, and sometimes it can be my phone or it can be, yeah, going to the fridge and trying to like find a snack or have another meal. um, I'll actually go and sit down. I'll close my eyes. I'll take a deep breath and I will ask myself, I'll go, what are you trying to feel? What's trying to come up? Can I feel it anywhere in my body? And sometimes I can acknowledge an emotion, not necessarily connect it to a physical part of my body. And sometimes just acknowledging it, that in itself is enough for me to go like, okay, I don't need to avoid this anymore. I'm okay. I'm I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling anxious, but we can just, this will, this will, we can either process it or we can just allow it to pass. 
And if something does kind of literally come up and you have that physical response, like a cry, or you just want to scream into a pillow or punch a wall, maybe don't punch a wall, but you know what I mean, then that's incredibly cathartic. And that's been a huge thing for me is I've had those moments and then the desire to go and eat has just instantly dissipated because it is, it's not that I was hungry. It was literally an emotional response. So when you can learn to listen to those, um, it can be incredibly powerful at helping break those habits. Another thing for me has been music as well. So putting on um, some noise cancelling headphones, some really therapeutic music and just sitting with it for five minutes and just acknowledging any emotions that I'm feeling or any tension in the body has been transformational. So 100% recommend that. Number 11 is calm your nervous system. Now, this is something that I actually have a really cool guest in mind to come on and talk about because this is very much his area of expertise. But if you feel like you are living in fight or flight mode the whole time, then this will be such a contributor to you feeling like you need to be doing more and living this kind of fast paced, um, disciplined lifestyle. And actually what we do want to be doing is getting you into more of a parasympathetic nervous system, a rest and digest state so that you can make more intuitive and logical or rational decisions in the moment without being pulled towards something as a stress response. And again, there'll be an episode on this in itself, but uh, that can be, you can basically calm your nervous system down through a really powerful way is breath work. I've done some really incredible breath work sessions in my life that have almost been as good as doing some psychedelic therapy. <laughs> um, meditation again is huge. I actually have a Spotify, Spotify, Spotify playlist uh, of recommended meditations that uh, if you just type in health made meditation recommendations, <laughs> into Spotify, you can find it. There are some really good visualization ones that actually were the ones that helped me get into meditation, but those can instantly calm you down. And then something like a somatic release, which is the exercise I actually just described where you sit with yourself and you kind of acknowledge if there's any tension in your body, things like that can help calm your nervous system. Again, that's probably another episode I'm going to do on somatic healing because I think this stuff is really powerful for letting go of emotions that drive us to do these things. Um, but if I start talking about it now, this will be a very long episode. <laughs> Number 12 is avoid telling yourself that this process is too hard because when we believe it's hard, we actually make it hard for ourselves. Because what we believe, we perceive on the external world. So instead, try and tell yourself you're not broken. You've just been approaching it in the way that's not right for you and that you will get there. And trust yourself enough to be able to follow through with this process and change those habits and imagine what your life can look like on the other side. Because when we focus on being stuck in this forever and we admit defeat then we do just stay there because that's how we, 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 what we think literally comes into fruition. And so if we think it's hard and we think we're never going to get there, then we're not. You're, that's a surefire way to almost make it get worse. Um, you're never going to get to a stage where you're just, you're suddenly disciplined enough and you've got everything that you've ever wanted. And if you ever did get to that stage, you'd be completely reliant on everything you've done to keep you there. If you ever tried to step away from it, you'd lose that control. 
Number 13 is seek therapy or coaching. And this depends on what you're struggling with and how severe it is. So sometimes just talking to someone else can help. But if you're listening to this and thinking that your issues are a bit more kind of emotional, emotionally related, emotion driven, then something like a trauma coach or even, you know, if if you've got something like a food addiction, then that would be someone I recommend for me. And I'm going to disclaimer this for me, my experience, psychedelic therapy was transformational. So psilocybin therapy was transformational. And I do want to say I did this legally in the Netherlands where it is legal for um, mental health sort of therapy. Um, It's not something I put out there into the world as a recommendation because I think it's a very personal decision that you have to make based on your own judgment, your own life and your own common sense. But for me, the psychedelic therapy was a fundamental shift and sort of spiraled into all sorts of really positive things. If that is something you're interested in and you want to hear my experience, do reach out to me on Instagram. It's just Georgie H. Harris, so two H's. Um, Drop me a message and say that you'd love a a podcast episode on my psychedelic experience or just if you want to hear it personally, I will try and share as much as I can over over Instagram. But um, like I said, that's a personal decision. If you are struggling with a full-blown eating disorder, I really recommend seeking a qualified eating disorder specialist. And with that, do your research. I went to a very highly qualified um, eating disorder specialist and I came away with a meal plan and that was about it. So just make sure that you check the testimonials, check what their message is, make sure you get a good vibe from them, make sure you're aligned with their message and um, yeah, reach out to them. Now, the last one is forgive yourself because the more hatred and resentfulness that we have towards ourselves for the things that we've done or failed to do, the harder it is to actually achieve the things that we want to achieve. When we do things to ourselves from a genuine place of care, compassion, kindness, On a subconscious level, it does become easier. And I want you to think about it like this. Think about doing something for someone who says horrible things to you. Likely, you're not going to feel great about doing it. You're not going to want to do it unless you are a chronic people pleaser. You're probably not. Versus if you have someone who speaks kindly to you, who is compassionate towards you, who shows you care you are going to want to do nice things for them and you're going to want to do it in the kindest, most caring way possible. And so this works with our internal brains as well. When we speak negatively to ourselves, obviously we're not going to want to do the things for ourselves because we don't like ourselves. Um, If we have that kindness and compassion, there is, I, I believe, a subconscious compulsion to go and do those things as an act of kindness. So that was a huge thing for me. And again, it's a it's a process. If you are so used to having an internal negative mindset towards yourself, you need to adjust it slowly and get used to acknowledging those thoughts and then reframing them and practice it, practice it until that becomes your new norm. That was a huge one. 
for me and it can spiral. So when you start doing kind things to yourself, you will feel more kindness towards yourself, which will mean you want to do kinder things. So it's a really positive snowball that can lead to a huge transformational change. So that wraps up my tips, but I do want to reiterate again, this is not a quick fix. This is not a set protocol. Some might work, some might not. Give it a go though. Try and implement them into your lifestyle. One meditation is not going to do much, but if that one leads to two and that two leads to a weekly practice and that leads to a daily practice, then amazing. That's when you're going to start seeing the results, but try a few of them out. If you have your own experiences that you want to share with me and things that have really helped you, please feel free to reach out to my Instagram and share them with me. Let me know if you have any feedback on the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm really grateful if you stuck around to the end. I hope you can take some things from it and I will catch you in the next one, guys. Take care. Bye.